Welcome to Elder Law Issues. This is Robert Fleming, partner in the Tucson, Arizona Elder Law Firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. One of the other partners is Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. She is here with me today. And we're going to talk about an always popular topic, taxes. Hey, Elizabeth, have you uh, finished your 2019 tax return yet? Oh, no, not yet, Robert. But I do have a place where I try and keep some of my receipts. Um, some of the letters that I get back when I've made a charitable contribution with my husband to a nonprofit. We try and keep one particular file door where we just stuff all of that and then take it out once we get the tax planner from our CPA each year. I have one of those too. I call it a shoebox. <laughs> and that's what we use for our business as well, of course. We have a big old shoebox stuffed with miscellaneous records. Oh, Robert, I love it when you make jokes like this. It's always a refreshing journey to be on as your new partner. <laughs> it makes you a little anxious. It makes me twitch a little bit. But I, I wanted to talk today about two particular things. The first thing being we get asked all the time from people who are considering making um, a revocable trust, establishing one of those, whether or not this means they need to do a separate tax return if they have a revocable trust that, hand, that holds their assets. This is a good question, and generally the answer is no. As long as the trust is not irrevocable, as long as the trust is holding assets that are yours and you're in good health and alive and the trust is well-drafted, no, you don't need to file a separate tax return for your revocable trust. And, and I need to follow up because this is a pet issue of mine, as you know very well, Elizabeth. Uh, you're correct, but people should not infer that if the trust is irrevocable, that means they do have to get a, tax, a, a separate tax number and file a return because that may not be the case. You're right to say if it's revocable, absolutely not. No tax return. If it's irrevocable, a little bit harder question to answer. It might need a tax return. But if your money is in it and you are any of the beneficiaries of it, almost certainly it will not need a separate tax number and it will not need to file a separate tax return. And we are not CPAs, Robert. We have a right. terrific CPA on staff here at Fleming and Curdy, and we work with many CPAs in our local community and around the nation. I encourage people that once they start feeling a little overwhelmed by their taxes to go ahead and pay the extra money to get a great CPA to work with. Because once we start working with trusts, uh, for many people, things get more complicated. And I tell people it is going to be a savings of mental energy and stress if you can rely on an excellent CPA. And yeah, you can find a tax preparer who's going to work in the mall or um, a small little one-person one shop. But we have referrals to you and your family of folks who are really terrific here in Tucson, who have reasonable rates and can help you navigate this. So I told you I had two issues, Robert. The second issue happens to be when we work with successor trustees on things like trusts and people want to know what their responsibilities are, it gets more complicated very quickly. And people need to be aware that if you've decided to nominate a family member or friend who does not have a professional background in taxes or in financial services, 
that there can be mistakes that are made from the get-go related to a tax return. And we really want to have people slow down and become educated about their role as a successor trustee because that that's important. And this is your responsibility when you start to look at filing a tax return. Absolutely true. Uh, you know, let me just back up and say I agree with you. You should consult with a CPA somebody who actually knows what they're doing. The first question you want to ask them is if they are familiar with filing. I'm sorry, don't ask them if they're familiar with. Ask them if they have filed very many fiduciary income tax returns. You can call them 1041s if you want because that's the form name for the federal form. Uh, And you want somebody who not just went to school and read the, the book and passed the test, but actually has prepared those returns because they're a little different. And the, and the basis for whether or not you need to file it at all is a little different. Uh, so you want somebody with experience. And then you've become the successor trustee because your mom died. No question about it. You're going to be filing a separate tax return. This is not one that you ought to expect to do by tax preparation software that you download online. You are going to almost certainly want to hire a CPA to do the tax return for that trust. But you became the successor trustee, not because your mom died, but because she resigned or she became incapacitated. She's now living in a nursing home. You probably don't have to file a separate tax return. Talk to your CPA, uh, ask some close questions, and probably you're just going to file that return as your mom's 1040, her personal tax return. No separate return for the trust. These are all questions that are complicated, as Elizabeth intimated, and uh, that vary depending on very slight changes in the facts. I can describe a trust that meets everything I just said that does require a separate return. So um, be careful, be well-informed, be inquisitive, find somebody who knows what they're doing to help you. And understand that if what's happening is you need time to collect information and to do it right, the answer to file an extension more often than not is the right answer for people. I think that people often feel very, very concerned about getting everything filed on time. And when we see people start to push a deadline without complete information, accidents can happen. And amending a tax return is a pain in the neck. So I often tell people, before you're going fast, slow down, get Get your information right, understand what you need to do, and understand what information needs to be collected, and then make a plan and move ahead. If you have to file an extension to do it right, I think that's always a better approach. Now, Robert, when we have people who come in with tax questions, both of us, I think, want to make sure that they have other resources besides the Fleming and Curdy team, because we don't prepare tax returns for many of our clients. When we act as fiduciary, when we act as somebody's agent under a financial power of attorney or a trustee, in those particular cases, we may file, prepare and file the tax return with the use of our CPA. But we want people to have resources of their own and we wanna work with your CPA. We wanna work with the person who's helping prepare your return. We really welcome a team approach to these things. And if you come into our office, the chances are we're going to say, let's help you put that team together. And here's kind of the last point. We're early in the tax season. And for your personal return, 
you might get away with not thinking about it, not doing anything until April, and then calling up an accountant and saying, if I bring you everything, is it possible to get the tax return done today? You are not going to get away with that for the fiduciary return that you have to do for your mom's trust or whatever trust you're managing for someone else. So start early. Make sure that you have an accountant on board. Make sure you have their their organizer so that you can begin to collect information. Even if you're going to get an extension, even if you're going to be filing the return very late in the cycle, you need to be working on it starting now. It's not too late to get going. So uh, get going. Oh, I love, I love spending a whole session talking about taxes. It really is very uplifting. Maybe next time we could do death instead. <laughs> well, Robert, I think that everybody's got to start somewhere, and we welcome questions that you may have about your duties as a fiduciary, and we want people to feel comfortable coming to us with those. If you haven't done it right in the past, it doesn't mean that we can't help you do a better job moving forward. So I'd like people to, to understand that, Perfect is imperfect. There's always hope. (laughs) Thanks to Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman, my partner. This is Robert Fleming. We're both from the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. And you've been listening to Elder Law Issues. We hope you will join us next time.